0: Please thank you to welcome our speakers, Philip Pullman and Margaret Toon.
1: Thank you very much, Chris. Um, Philip, it's a real delight to be able to have this conversation with you this evening about Lyra's Oxford. And I thought I'd just kick off. Um, we set the story two years after that traumatic parting of Will and Lyra in the Botanic Gardens at the end of the start Materials.
2: You've told them the end now, did I haven't read it yet.
1: Well, endings and beginnings, I think we might be talking about quite a lot, and what goes backwards and what goes forwards. But given that you're setting it two years later, I'm wondering when you started on this project, how the idea came to you?
2: That's a very good question. I think it was about two years. Um, though the, 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 the notion of doing a little something, a little, um, little um, bonbon, a little um, amuse girl, was uh, had been flickering in, in, uh, flickering in the, in the mind of fickling for some time David Fickling, <laughs> my publisher, had been uh, saying to me often and on uh, shouldn 't we do, let's let's do a map let 's do a little something let 's a um, produce a little something to go with the book. originally it was going to be a map, and um, then it, it just growed, growed and growed and growed. Um, the reason uh, for doing this was um, I think mainly to have fun, but also to provide a sort of fake reality, a fake um, background against which the story might be set. I think that's the reason for it. But um, anyway, we talked about this, and it was about to the 2001, 2002. We really got going on this. I can only base that on the fact that the, the book was published in 2003, if I'm right. Yeah, that's right. So it must have been about a couple of years. Uh, and um, then the thought, then the question arose: What would go with it? You know, what would accompany this this map? And would it be in a book, or would it be in a sort of leaflet, or a pamphlet, or, or what? Well, um, quite soon, I decided that I'd write a story, and there'd be a story to go with it. And um, this is the first paragraph of the story I eventually wrote, which most of you won't be able to see, um, as we discovered not long before you came in. So I'll describe what this is. This is the top of a page of my handwriting. In fact, I have it here, the same page. A page in, in, in my handwriting, on one of the pieces of paper that I used to write my books on, which you've got two holes in. And um, the, the story, you, some of you might be able to see that there's a title there, which, which is The Rose, which is crossed out. And then we have Lyra and the Birds. I don't know why I was going to call it The Rose, can't remember what that was going to be about. But um, it it soon changed, it soon became became Lyra and the Birds, and uh, that's that's how it began. That little scribble that you can see at the top right-hand corner of the page, um, I have a habit of doing this. For each story that I write, I have a stack of paper set aside, and I get a particular color. For that story, this one is a sort of bronze, and I run the coloured pencil across the top edges of the paper. So every piece of paper I write story that story on has the same bit of colour at the top. So this is magic. It's
1: a filing system.
2: It's a filing system of sorts, but it's also um, a defence against the uh, evil one or whatever it might happen to be. It's. Um, <laughs> You know, I can't write any of the story until I've coloured the page, and if I colour the page, I can't use that for anything else. So that's what these pages are. They all look like that. But just to say one quick word more about why birds. For me, stories often begin with a pattern of imagery, uh, which is there sort of implicitly before I actually write the story. The rose will turn up later. I know where it does turn up, but um, birds turn up in this one. And that might have been because birds were on my mind at that stage. It wasn't uh, um, very long since I'd finished writing The Amber Spyglass. Uh, and the, the year I did that, we, we were living near Cutslow Park, and the trees that particular year were full of starlings. I'd never seen so many starlings in all my life. And every evening I used to go there and watch these birds come out and fly about in the air and in the way they do. And... Um, uh, On page two or something here, I've got a very fine description, which I won't spare you. (laughs) They didn't seem like individual birds or even individual dots of black against the blue. It was the flock itself that was the individual. It was like a single piece of cloth cut in a very complicated way that let it swing through itself and double over and stretch and fold in three dimensions without ever tangling turning itself inside out and elegantly waving and crossing through and falling and rising and falling again. And I used to watch them do that every night. And the birds were on my mind. I wanted to pay tribute to birds in some way. So it was going to be Lyra and the birds. And I wrote the story. That was the starting point, I think, David, wasn't it, the the story. And then we thought about um, how to illustrate it. But I'll just show you one more manuscript page or a a manuscript spread. On the recto side there, you have um, a page of, I think, page six or so. On the left-hand side, is that the verso? A lot of knowledgeable heads nodding. <laughs> um, there, is, <laughs> there, is, uh, there are some notes. I, at this point in the story, you see, I got a bit stuck. Lyra has m- come across a bird. She's met a bird, and it isn't a bird, it's a demon. It's a demon in the form of a bird, and this demon speaks to her, and then she, she rescues it, and, then she gets, and now they're having a conversation. And then I thought, what the hell are they going to talk about? What's this bird want? I don't know. So that's the point at which I stop and go to the left-hand page and write all this sort of stuff, Um, which you can't see, but it says things like, why Lyra? Uh, Why has he come to Lyra? What's it all about? And I've actually enlarged the next bit. Some of you might be able to see this. There's no need for her to understand why, but maybe we must. In other words, remember the reader always. So that's the sort of thing I do on my manuscript pages, but then comes the business of making the book and making it into something that looks nice. And the first thought in our minds was John Lawrence. Um, I think this was the first thing you have done of mine, wasn't it, John? Um, but I'd always admired John's wood engravings enormously, and um, when uh, his name came up, I sort of leapt at it. Here you can see one of his um, blocks. Now, John, is this a wood engraving or a woodcut? The wood engraving is. And you can see the, 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 the reason I wanted to have him illustrating the book. The two pictures at the top are particularly um, nice, I think. The, the two birds there, the raven, which is my demon, and the woodpecker, which is John's. And um, the, the one at the right-hand side, they're both outlined in a window, one by day, one by night. And the one at the right-hand side was used later on the half-title page, there it is. And the other one um, was used at the... No, wait a minute. Yes, that's it. This is, this, is the, um, this is the raven I liked so much that I asked John to do one for me. So he did one for me, and it now adorns my um, stationery, such as this postcard, which some of you might be able to read. <laughs> I have been... Um, you often send compliments and uh, regret that you cannot undertake engagements. And so
1: you've written props to
2: your publishers. Have you been, have you been sending that across a lot recently? Oh, it's, I've been using that for four years. <laughs> <laughs> so um, that's what happened to one of the ravens. But th- that's the... This is the, the other raven, the one that... The, 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 this is the going-to-bed birds. Now, I do not know what you can see of the, of the words on that page. This is corrections at page-proof stage. The sentence as I'd originally had it reads, and they put the crumbs out on the windowsill for the birds. At proof stage I saw that and thought it might be improved so I crossed out um, the put out thing and put scattered instead and then I added another little thought and before they went to bed, uh, and before they went to bed they, so I put that together with the sentence but then that didn't work with the rhythm of scattered so I restored the other one and um, that's what it is now. And before they went to bed they put the the crumbs out on the on, on the windowsill for the birds. Uh, this is um, just playing about with rhythms, as far as as, far as this sentence is concerned. The rhythm is terribly important, the rhythm of a written sentence, uh, and you can always tinker with it later. And if you tinker with it one bit, it, you have to you have to get it balanced again. Anyway, I think it works now. I put this this whole spread up partly because the left-hand page, which is the verso. Yes, um, has on it uh, a, a sentence or two that re- refer to the d- sort of deep structure of the story. One level of the structure of the story is the imagery. In this case, it's full of birds. Another level of the structure is the plot. Um, and a deeper level, probably the deepest level of all, but oddly enough, the one I discover last is the, so, what you might call the theme, what the book's about. And what this book is about is reading things and getting them right um, and understanding the meaning meaning of things. The two of them, Lyra and her demon Pantalaimon, are talking together as they go home from this strange event they've just gone through. And they're working out what it all meant. But Lyra says things don't mean things as simply as that, do they? Not like mensa means table. They mean all kinds of things mixed up. And that really leads to what... um, the rest of the book is about. Mm. Because that uh, is... Oh, yeah. This
1: is This must be very early.
2: This was early on when we were planning the book, when we were planning all the things to go in the book. Um, uh, I, the I, I do apologise that it's, so, that it's so, so small and you can't see it at the back, but perhaps, Margaret, if, can you read my writing? Sure. Uh, well, I
1: can use some it anyway. I have to if I, if I can work with manuscripts, right? Oh, ah, yeah, uh, yeah. Okay, introduc- page one. Um, introduction up to... Two hundred
2: or eighty, or words? so. Or so. Okay,
1: two hundred or so words um, on these items. And
2: on how these items came together. I don't
1: know I don't think can't read handwriting. I should. I'll do that. Better... <laughs> <laughs> on how these
2: items came together. What's the point of my leaving this?
1: to do? So I'm interested in the oh, right. that you've scored out. Map of Jericho. Aha, right. Scored out. What and the origins there? of the story. Yes. And well, then this thing about the bigger page from the guidebook. Map of questions. yes. Well, we've got a map
2: of Jericho. Well, we've done that. Page from the guidebook. I thought this would be fun. Called, I don't know, the Sites of Oxfordshire or something with an illustrations of Jericho and um, maybe a theatre programme with something crossed out.
1: Does that actually
2: say goody? goodies? Goodies, it says. More goodies, more goodies. Yeah. More
1: goodies.
2: <laughs> Notice of have have an exhibition of prints, etc. Theatre programme, something circled, you know, something indicating an interest in it from someone. Names of colleges, changes in Lyra as well. Send key to Heidi, it says. Heidi is Heidi Lightfoot from... Trickett and Webb then, wasn't it, Tr- Heidi, who um, designed the book. Um, a map of um, various other bits and pieces. Some Barnabas the chemist, I put question mark. Moon, underlined question mark. Don't know what that meant.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we lost the
2: moon. There's
1: but lot that of was of moonlight, um, I guess. Sorry? There's a lot of moonlight. There's a lot
2: of moonlight. There was moonlight in it at the end, yeah. And um, was there was something about a gibbous moon
1: as well, which I, I found rather remarkable. sent me to a dictionary to work out what that.
2: I uh, always send your readers to dictionaries. You had
1: some sort of theme under, underpinning this, which no, You get more light
2: from a Gibbous moon than from a crescent yeah, moon. Yeah. That's all. That's a nice okay. word, anyway. Okay.
1: Is it a word like premise <laughs> when you spell it like
2: that? Uh, yes, it might be. In in Lyra's world, some of the, some words that we know are spelt slightly differently. Mm. And this might be one of them.
1: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the things that might be. <laughs> if only we could learn to read.
2: If only we could learn to read, yes. Well, anyway, this, this sort of came together in the handout, which I think um, most of you have got, which I certainly won't go through now, but you'll, you, you'll have seen if you've had time to look at it, that it deals with the whole issue of um, what these random things might mean when they're put together. Um, are they random or are they not? Well, you can trace a line through them, and it's the line of a story, of course. And uh, it then it, it goes on to speculate in a sort of jokey way about how these things might have arrived in this world from another world, maybe, um, the, the, maybe our world is full of things that come from another world, and um, they turn up anywhere, especially in um, uh, old market stalls. Sometimes you'll see a shoebox full of old postcards. Always worth looking through for things like that. So that's the, this. This was the sort of intellectual justification for putting all those things, all these things, together in a book. But then. Um, what was this? Blank page near end to explain about the well, same sort of stuff, isn't it, really?
1: Explain about the bundle of stuff. Yeah. Fantastic. Only you yourself. If, if you use that kind of bundle
2: of stuff. Catalogue, etc. Travel agent. Travel agent stuff. We'll come to that. But then the, the centrepiece, really, is the map. This wonderful map that folds out in the book. And it was important that the map should be a sort of centrepiece and should work in a, um, in, in a central way. We can follow... Lyra's, the events of, of, of Lyra's story on this map, see where she goes and, and so on. And there are various little, little handwritten comments on the map and, and indications of where something is that isn't marked on the map. This was one of John's um, early roughs for, um, this looks like the Botanic Gardens. And uh, he's managed to get all the important things in. There's Lyra's bench, which... If you haven't read the end of Amber Spyglass, <laughs> will mean nothing to you. Um, but that's the, the the bench is there, and there's even a little um, animal running about, which might be Pantaliman in the form of a fox or something. I don't know. There's Magdalen College Deer Park as well. Here's another bit of the map. This is the, this is the the part of Oxford the story happens in, and it's got the um, that lovely. Little cartouche if that's the right word at the bottom with the narrow boat in, another theme from the um, from the books in general. And a couple of roses even there.
1: And are we putting demons in there if we've got the woodpepper? You know,
2: well there thing. are plenty of birds yeah. in this picture. Yeah. I
0: have to say that this yeah. has very much to do with Heidi, sort of getting it all worked out for me as a structure on the computer. Oh right. <laughs> so, um, all right. So Yeah. Patrick's grade school put a lot of this together and then I sort of embroidered it if you like with the with the narrative of the storylines and
2: things. Okay. And Thank you, John. Um Heidi, what what were you working from? You were working from my story, were you? Um from your story and some annotated real maps of Oxford. Oh yes. And then we needed to squish Oxford slightly so that we could get the right areas in. Yes, there's a bit of a bit of um distortion what would you call that, visual distortion or something? Creative license. Creative license, <laughs> geographical license, to get, to get it all onto the, 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 the kind of paper that would fold to the right sort of size to go in a book this size. So all these constraints have a bearing on the, on the way you do things. And this was, um, this was, that was one of the constraints. Thank you, John. And um, this, was, this is a little detail I like. You probably can't see it, but you might be able to see just there, there's a swan just above the swan is John's writing, or Heidi's saying, horses here too? Uh, my writing. It's John's writing. Okay. Well, John thought we might, had, we might have some horses there, so he went and <laughs> did a horse. And on the finished map, there's the horses. So that's how these things come about, you see.
1: And just adding in all these, these animals, I mean, it, it certainly seems to me to, when you look at this map, I mean, it's, it's just a wonderful treasure trove. Um, And obviously one starts to play around with the kind of the squished Oxford the here, Lyra's Oxford. But then it's got this incredible kind of vitality, this incredible animation within it, which has a lot to do with all of the the birds and the movement that's coming from that. And and was was that done between the three of you or is is, is that kind of some some level of telepathy that that manages that?
0: He's
2: he's he's underplaying his conscientiousness here. <laughs> well,
0: it was a nice chance to come to Washington.
2: Yeah, but you went around with a with a sketchbook or something, yeah, making making copious notes. Yeah, yeah. Which
0: is again
2: Well, it, one of the joys for a writer is having an illustrator who will take an idea and take a theme and take this sort of thing and make so much more of it. And it was a, it was a perpetual delight to watch this, this map and the other illustrations evolving. Um, but it wasn't just um, John and Heidi and me. It was David as well because David Fickling, the publisher of this, was no doubt mentally computing costs with one part of his mind. <laughs> and... Um, giving forth enthusiasm with another part of his mind. Uh, did you remember that, David? Yeah, I miss-
1: sense of Lara's world helps you, I guess, particularly as a, a young reader, yeah. to work out where spaces might be, have been and how you might conceive of the movement between them, the paths between those spaces. I then think so, extra yeah. Game, if you happen, like I guess all of us here today, um, you happen to be Playing the game that you were also playing on that very early manuscript note of changing the names. Yeah. So you have this whole game about whether yes. or not you know Queen's College is going to become Queen Philippa, or whether X is right. going to take over the world and yeah. become Jordan, and and all of these yes. other games that are being played, um, all of which seem to make remarkably good sense.
2: Well, I remember as as a young reader myself, I loved maps in books, and you know, you spent ages poring over them. So I thought it was um, a real delight to to to, 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 to do this one. But um, what do we have next? Oh, yes. There's
1: one thing I wanted to ask you before we move on, which is also that that it seems to me that that this, and it follows on from what David was saying, um, this is also something which has to be bought by by, by an individual, something that goes on to the market to become part of that marketplace. And within that, these maps now belong to the reader, and that makes sense with what we've already said. But this map is a possession, isn't it? Because somebody's already put manuscript notation Onto this map. So I was just kind of wondering whether you could tell us a little bit about that game, because we've got odd manuscript notation. Now, we've seen what you were doing with, with your drafts and saying more horses here and so forth. But this says Mary Malone lives here, or points us well, to where we might find Sir Charles Latham's.
2: The conception is that this is a map from Lyra's world, and this is Lyra's own copy of it. Okay. And she has pored over it, and, and she's thinking about the adventures she had in the other Oxford, no, our Oxford. And pointing out things on that, or writing in things on that map which don't exist in her Oxford. So, this is her
1: handwriting?
2: That's her handwriting.
0: Excellent. Okay. And
2: uh, the, um, the Pitt Rivers I don't think Museum. She
0: can spell
2: as one. This? <laughs> uh, she, she can spell the things that are important to her.
0: Um,
2: there's no Pitt Rivers Museum in her um, Oxford, for example, so she writes in where it is. So, that's. Um, but but moving on to, to the other things that we put in the book. I wanted a page from a guidebook, and originally it was going to be something like The Sites of Oxfordshire or something like that. This is, um, and again, I r- rather regret that not all of you can, can see this, because this is uh, a page from an imaginary guidebook called The Coasts of Bohemia, uh, which is written by Oscar Baedeker. Now, Baedeker, as we know, was, was, was the publisher of a well-known series of guidebooks in our world. And um, this is a, a, a bit of rather flowery prose from, that I made up for Oscar Beedeker to, to um, write about Oxford. Oxford, where um, well, the real and the unreal jostle in the streets and so on, that sort of stuff. Um, Margaret with her eagle eye has noticed that I actually cribbed this from something I wrote for another <laughs> occasion as well, but we won't tell the publisher. <laughs> But what I, th- what, what I this this is a, 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 a shows you how how very very subtle I was getting. What a tremendous detail I went into with this. This is this is my first draft of this, and it's it's Baedicus spelt properly. I e is it's spelt in our world, B A E D E K E R. Now when it comes when it when we put it in, 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 actually in the book, I thought I'll put a sig- I'll put a signal there for the intelligent reader to notice that this is not quite as it should be. So I put an extra C in his name, and you, you see, you all fell for that, didn't you? <laughs> well, one person who fell for it was a, was, a, was a reviewer who said with an air of great authority, Pullman has indeed quoted from a real guidebook, one of Baedeker's guidebooks, and, and this reviewer spelt Baedeker in the way I'd spelt it with a C, so it was the wrong one, and you know, it's too subtle really. <laughs> To be, be being too clever, that's what I was being there. But I wrote the text, which is a bit from, from this imaginary guidebook, to offer, the, the bit about Jericho. Okay. Now, this is what a real page from the real Baerdeke looks like. And we've, we, we, we did it like this. And there was one lovely little detail that I noticed on the printed book. Heidi, if I remember rightly, you scanned a blank page, didn't you? Of old-looking paper. You've got it there, and we the very one. Some of the pages so that we can then print it as text <laughs> What do you think of that? <laughs> That's, That's... So clever. Certainly <laughs> t- printed t- it, out. printed <laughs> it out on we the blank scan. page, yeah, quite. Well, it's a lovely effect and this is one of the results. There happened to be a little fold over on one of the, little dog ear on one of the pages. And when you printed it in reverse for the other page, the dog ear came out as well. So this is the only piece of paper in the world that's got a doggy here on both sides of the page. <laughs> you probably can't see it, but it's, it's, you can see it in the book.
0: Um,
2: now, one of, one of the things I wrote to go on this, this um, imaginary bit of stuff about uh, Lyra's Oxford and the imaginary Jericho that we're writing about is the Oratory of St. Barnabas the chemist. Now, St. Barnabas's church is indeed um, a well-known landmark in our Oxford, And I describe it, I think, pretty accurately here. You can see it from as far away as the woods of Whiteham. It's a striking-looking building, etc., etc. Now, then I go into a little bit of stuff about St. Barnabas. This is St. Barnabas the the chemist, not the other St. Barnabas. Which other St. Barnabas? I don't know. I'm making it up. But St. Barnabas the chemist, I say, was an early experimental theologian who invented an apparatus for the... Purification of certain rare essences and fragrant oils and became perfumer-in-chief to Queen Zenobia of Palmyra. Now, um, that's, uh, he was beheaded, it finishes, the sentence finishes. You don't know more about that because we turn you over the page. Left it's, left gone. page. You
1: pages. It's, it's gone. gone. It's gone. We need more
2: it. has gone. Well, that's the end of St. Barnabas. But it's not the end of Queen Zenobia because I want you to, to bear her in mind. But you we are teasing, look at the next you? I mean, you,
1: you, start, you have these two pages from the Baedeker and you start with, with it being um, dot, 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 the, con- the coastline Oxford shares with Bohemia, and that's the first little teaser that you give us, yeah. which fits with your epigraph at the it, yeah. and then you, you come to the end of this, this information from your Beidegger, and just as it's getting interesting, you stop, right? I mean, you're, you are teasing us. You are an, an I
2: hope you don't writer. mean that the previous two pages are not interesting, are you?
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, but uh, yes, you're right. I, I ended the sentence there because it was fun to do that. But I wanted to introduce Zenobia, whom I shall invite you to bear in mind now, because the next um, picture comes from the John Johnson collection. Now, I spent a very uh, interesting day or more, or two or three days actually, uh, looking through various bits of ephemera in the John Johnson collection, uh, of which it has an enormous amount, of course. I was looking in particular at shipping brochures, and travel agent style literature because uh, I had something in mind for the back of the book, you see. And I found um, some wonderful things in the, um, in, in, in the collection, including this picture which I'm very grateful to Julianne Lambert of for, for, the for Bodleian staff for um, doing for me just the other day when I rushed in in a hurry and asked for it. This is the sort of thing I was looking at. Spring Sunshine Cruises, luxury liner Arandora star. And then you've got this wonderful piece of prose here: yeah. colour, romance, mystery. These you will find on the golden shores of the sunlit Mediterranean, etc., etc. Find new health in the glorious sunshine. Through it all, enjoy the comfort and luxury, etc., etc. Wonderful. Uh, That's that exactly the sort of stuff I wanted. Uh, so I went there, and I, um, and I, well, I did this. This is what I did. A few years ago, it wouldn't have occurred to me to ask for a JPEG. I wouldn't have known what a JPEG was. As recently as 2000 and whatever it was, too. I thought the thing to do was to go there with my pen and pencil and I write it all out. So I did. And I copied copied yards of the stuff. Out beyond Cape Finisterre, White Castles beckoned to the sun. The donkey boys of Tangier sprawl lazily under a canopy of heat, gratefully tempered by the sea, and dusky moors dream serenely through golden day and starry night. The thrill of a guitar across Venetian waters, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. All that sort of rubbish. But it was, it was just what I wanted. It was the, the, just exactly the sort of atmosphere I wanted for what I wanted to put in the book. And this was the, this was the most interesting and useful bit. This is the timetable of a cruise, you see. So I, I did that stuff, did it like that. Uh, so I could work out how long this cruise was in this imaginary um, shipping brochure I was, going to, I was going to put in the, in the book. Um, w- one other little, wonderful little thing I, I got, sentence I got, there will be an efficient band on board. <laughs> it's a recommendation. I wonder what the other sort of band is.
0: <laughs>
2: Actually, my son, who is a musician, um, was a member of an efficient band on board a ship not long ago. He was a member of a string quartet that played on a saga cruise. And there were two, two, two bands on board. One was the string quartet that played light classics. And the other band was a dance band. And just to show you that class distinctions are still alive and well, the dance band were counted as crew and slept in the steerage, and the classical musicians were counted as passengers and had a nice cabin. (laughs) So, these things are still alive. Anyway, um, then I went back and I wrote a sort of brief to Heidi, which said, and you probably thought, Art Deco style, Art Deco style brochure for Cruise to the Levant to be designed and set in something like Gill Sands, evocative of the fashionable taste of about 1930. Cover picture to so stylized um, Art Deco Cruise liner in it's background of palms, camels, pyramids, etc. Titled Cruise by S.S. Zenobia, and then the text for the then the copy for the, um, uh, the, the interior. And so this is what um, they came up with. I don't see any palms or camels. <laughs> But bit short. Changed on that, I think. Um, but uh, but we couldn't have colour either. Otherwise, we'd have had lovely pastel blues and, 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 and yellows and so on. But this was this was what um, went into the book together with this um, text, which was a, my, my sort of pastiche: a world of romance and sunshine, of silks and perfumes, of carpets and sweetmeats, of damascene swords of the glint of beautiful eyes beneath the star-filled sky and so on. I won't read the whole thing. But oh, I did invent the,
1: the melody coming out though. That sounds just exactly like the bit you were writing down about the guitar music.
2: Uh, yeah, exactly. Yes, yes, that's right. And uh, 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 swaying palms and camel trains, lost and fabled cities with the ever-shifting sand. And I did enjoy inventing the romantic music of Carlo Pomerini and his salon serenaders. But the important thing on this is the, is the dates on the right-hand side, you see? And that's, the, that's when the ship is going to be. The, and here, one of those dates is circled, and there's a little note underneath, Cafe Antalya, and it's, it's time of day, you see? Somebody's gonna meet somebody somewhere at this, at this point. Who? There's nothing, nothing about this in Lyra and the Birds, but maybe this is setting up another story. All will be revealed. <laughs> when I write that book, I had to put off writing for three years. <laughs> um, because it's all in that. But um, that was that was great fun to do this, this um, particular bit of fake ephemera. Oh, the postcard. Mm, the postcard. Ah, no, the postcard. Well, it was important we had a postcard in there, because I wanted to have a message from one of the characters who, in the, in, from the, the whole world, who doesn't turn up in this book, but means a great deal to Lyra. This is Mary Malone, the scientist from our world, who gets um, led into an adventure in Lyra's world, and in fact in another world altogether, in The um, Subtle Knife and subsequently The Amber Spyglass. And if anyone, if, if, if the reader of this book has read those other books, they might possibly remember that Mary lived in North Oxford and might remember one or two other things from the story. And I wanted to put these on the postcard. But what sort of postcard to do? I had just bought this wonderful, marvellous, extraordinary work of genius called Boring Postcards. (laughs) Do you know it? Go and buy it at once. It is a treasure of extraordinary um, dreamlike connections and correspondences and, uh, for example, the the new shopping centre in Towngate and Leyland. What have we got here? Market Square, Burnley. Or um, Freshwater Caravan Camp, Burton Bradstock. That sort of thing. In other words, I wanted to do a boring postcard for this one. So imitating furiously, um, we found uh, a good looking one to copy. Um, That's that's the one I'm referring to. It's got got four pictures on, on one page. And that's what we came up with. We went to the... (laughs) Several rather boring places in Oxford. (laughs) And concocted this postcard, (laughs) uh, which is about the last sort of postcard anybody would really want to make of Oxford. But it does actually show four places that play a big part in the story, by a mysterious coincidence. There's the bench from the end of the, um, the spyglass. There's a hornbeam trees beneath it on the um, Northern Ring Road, Sunderland Avenue, where Will first goes through into uh, the other world. There's um, the, one of the science buildings where Mary Malone works, and there's a road near her flat. So th- it, it all has a connection, you see. Uh, that, was, that was huge fun. What this would mean to somebody who hasn't read the book, I, know, I have no faintest <laughs> idea. But
1: that's what your tease. that might be something to do with the, the next book and, and then you have this whole idea of things that kind of also have memory attached to them or, or could start to have memories attached to them should you I hope so.
0: to
1: develop your, your reading skills further even if that means going backwards to read dark materials is that, is that right? Is
2: that, is that well you're it? right it is, it is, it, it's, it's sort of extending little sort of filaments and tendrils <laughs> forwards and backwards um, but it's fun and you used the word tease that's what it was it was fun I was having a wonderful time
0: That's doing joy. this book and it was, it
2: was huge fun you know, working with these people too to, to make it happen. Um, what else have we got there? Oh, this is a little private joke. A little private joke. One of the things in the, in the, um, at the back of the map was a list of books published by um, Smith and Strange of Beaumont Street, Oxford, which is where David Frickling's offices are. So I, I sometimes think of it as Smith and Strange. And I put a lot of books in there which have something to do with um, the, the, the story. And we might recognize some names from it. There's a book by Mrs. Coulter there and um, various other um, bits and pieces. And the two, um, there, was, there was an elderly and eccentric, um, well, mad, actually, academic, uh, who was a prisoner of the bears at the end of the first book. And he had a feud with another academic, and I thought it would be fun for each of them to write a book denouncing the other one. (laughs) So I've got that there. But in in, in this list of books, I thought it would be fun to pay tribute to a friend of mine, Jocelyn Godwin, who's a very learned man. He's a professor of music somewhere in New York State. And he's he's also translated um, that extraordinary Renaissance work, the Hypnorotomachia Polyphili. And Jocelyn's been working for years on a book about Athanasius Kircher, which has just been published, and that's what it looks like. So I thought it would be fun for Athanasius Kircher to edit a book about him. So <laughs> that's one of the um, one of the books I put in my list. Um, now, what else have we got? So I,
1: I'm, I'm never quite sure how much we are supposed to be reading from the margins and kind of reading in, or how much that's sort of just a set of red pairings or a set of... A of well,
2: a I um, leave that to scholars, <laughs> Margaret. I leave that to scholars to work out. I'm, I'm not. I'm
1: not speaking. It's so all too deep for me. Not as a scholar, it's because you have.
2: You, we don't know where you're going next,
0: so we don't know which. No, many temples <laughs> to follow,
2: right? <laughs> <clears throat> if I knew where I was going next, I'd have finished that book for three years ago. <laughs> no, uh, there, there, there are, there are things here. There that are definitely are, hints here. Yeah, 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 yeah. i I'm. It's. It, I'm teasing as well. I'm teasing as well.
1: I mean, this whole process, I mean, I think one of the things you've been sharing with us, really, is, is how we should think about the reading process, I and mean, it's one of the things you're saying in this, this kind of early piece, you know, that, 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 that what we, we haven't yet learned how to read. And, and if you are, I mean, like, I, I was thinking about what Chris said right at the beginning about um, how one thinks about archiving, how one thinks about ephemera, how one thinks about what is, is going to be the strong line of approach and what might be the more marginal lines. I mean, you, you are teasing, you, but you are actually also asking us to be consistently alert. And then I guess also to yeah. sort of begin to try to use judgment. I mean, you showed us very early on that line about that maybe the reader has to know even if Lyra doesn't. That idea that we aren't Lyra, that idea that we are slightly detached and therefore in, enjoying a process, but also judging that process, thinking about how she is reacting or choosing or whatever. And therefore this idea of actually bringing this in at the end to show how, how someone is reading you, but possibly also not quite having had yeah. the opportunity to hear you speak this evening and therefore understanding fully how one ought to read Mr. Philip Pullman's Lyra's Oxford. Um, perhaps he can come back now once he's listened to the podcast, perhaps, and kind of like, you know, oh, God. explain to you. <laughs> oh, indeed, indeed. At least
2: I covered his name up.
1: can. But then maybe he'll kind of come back to you, to, to that wonderful address that he has for you, and sort of let you, let you know that he has, he has chastened and he will learn to read more fully. Because, I mean, it does like, I mean, to to be fair, I mean, this is a very slight volume. It is quite easy to think.
2: I'm pretending to look outraged. Yes. um, It's a a little thing. It's a a, a, a jeu d'esprit, isn't it?
1: I I like that. I think that was a lovely phrase. But it it would be very easy to think that the publisher had encouraged you to put this onto the marketplace, lest we forget, yes? And it would be easy to presume that. And yet, when you actually prove to us how much is in here, how much work's gone into it, how you've actually gone off to our fantastic collections in the Bodleian, which we may or may not associate with ephemera, to actually use those, to dig around in those, to find things which look random and yet make pattern, to, to make that wonderful idea of how you kind of get the, the birds coming together to, to, to be a whole, to make that kind of sense of, of, of pattern there. It, it completely changes, doesn't it? I mean, it's a wonderful pocket guide, but it looked like it was just a little pocket text, and everything that I've heard Philip this evening says it's a pocket guide to Thorman and a pocket guide to
2: how you would like us to read. I think so, and that's the serious part. Yes, of course, because there's, there, uh, nothing, is, nothing is worth, worth spend, nothing that is trivial is worth spending time on. Um, and I, we spent time on this. We spent a lot of time and a lot of artistry and a lot of care and a lot of craftsmanship. Uh, to put this together, and we wouldn't have done it, I think, if, if we felt it was a trivial thing. I do not feel it's a trivial thing. It's a slight thing, yes, it's a small thing. But I don't think it's trivial in that sense. But
1: it's designed, and that word design has come yeah. up a number of times. I'm pretty sure he's got designs on, on us, us as readers, as well as having design in the book. But, but it definitely has that sense
2: in it. You, yes. David, perhaps we could come back to you again br- briefly. What, what, what was your sense of what we were trying to do?
0: It's quite difficult for me to answer that because um, there is a commercial dimension and I would be foolish to ignore it. Plus, that aside, and I think publishers have one foot in the mire and maybe one foot lifting out of the
2: mire. What's the mire?
0: In the, in, the, in the sort of commercial.
2: Oh, that's, that's the mire. Oh, okay. Right. <laughs> well, maybe this Maybe quite young fun to do this. This is this is a, this is a this is a scholarly gathering. We're not. You might as well say. Might as well say. Criticism is is is. Uh, you know, uh, destroys books. Reading it doesn't, does it? This is this is a. This is a yeah.
1: Oh. Many of the best professors are the But I wonder. I think we should be opening it up to. In just a second, yeah, I, that, I agree. think that, that this point from the handout, that very first sentence yeah. there, is not a bad summation for what we've got to so far. This book contains a story and several other things. Yeah. And we've, you've been kind of showing us behind the scenes how you put together this kind of complicated, quirky, fun um, text, which is Lyra's Oxford. But we could also use that, that particular sentence for almost any. Publication, couldn't we? That 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 the book we've been speaking so far today. I mean, I this is wish this is um, The other things, but you are the other elements within the process and within the story of how the book came to be or how the yeah. publication comes
0: to
2: be, right? We shouldn't lose sight of the fact that this is a lovely little book too. This is bound in real cloth. It feels lovely. It's um it's beautifully put together.
1: It's incredibly tactile.
2: So. And and it's it, it, it it's it's just a lovely thing, and I'm so great. I'm so grateful to these people for making it this, this, this lovely thing. Well, I don't
1: know if there will be other questions on the particular text that we've been talking about this evening or, or whether there are other questions more generally about, about the creative process that Philip could, could, could have a go answering. but who, who would like to pitch in? It would be nice if you could have illustrations for your other books.
2: Uh for the, um, the trilogy? Yeah. Well, um, there's the publisher. Uh, actually, sorry, it's not, it's not the publisher. David Fickling has this extraordinary habit of publishing me in one publisher and then leaving that publisher and going to another one. <laughs> and then I have to follow him to that one. And then he publishes another one, a, b- a book of mine there. And he goes off to. So David isn't actually the publisher now of his, his dark material. I, I just put my clothes
0: into him and I'm following him wherever he
2: Um Actually, though, to answer your question, um, more seriously, there is now an illustrated edition, and it's published by the Folio Society. And the illustrations are by Peter Bailey, and he's done some uh, very good, f- very fine illustrations for. in as well. No, these are these are um, drawings, pen and ink. When, when Lyra
1: meets the bearer, that's fantastic.
2: Yeah, yeah, there's some very good um, and pictures of that. The really
1: well, The trees for the But for the, the, the,
2: the, the Folio Society, being what it is, you've got to shell out for the books first. And you won't find them in the bookshops, I don't think.
1: But I, I'm not sure. I mean, I, I, I can see the point of having illustrations, but then having seen some of the covers, um, some of the American covers, um, oh, they, yeah. they don't oh. quite seem to, to follow the same purposeful engagement that, that you've been speaking about today. I and mean, sometimes they seem to have come from someone who perhaps hasn't spent quite enough time either reading your texts or talking to you about these.
2: Well, you mentioned the American one. I, I, um, I could show you if I had the right memory stick with me, I could show you the Hungarian one which is out of this world. It um, looks like nothing on earth. Um, I don't know what the book's like in Hungarian but it's not at all like it, what it's like in English. So covers are another matter altogether. But um, an illustrated edition, well we'll, 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 we'll see. Uh-oh. Yes, were there any ideas that we had that we couldn't do? Do you know, I don't think there were. I think that um, everything we wanted to put in, we did. Uh, But that was because we we had a sort of similar idea about what the thing should be from the beginning, didn't we?
1: When you were showing the very, very first picture, as people were sitting down, there seemed to be two different
2: covers. Oh, that was one was John's rough, and the other was the. Okay. It was so the I, just, I just got another one that
1: one here. It wasn't because one of them oh, looked right. like it was darker. Oh, wow. oh, yes, yeah, that's correct. That that was,
2: very thank you. This was, This is just. Um, this is just a sort of typographical as one, opposed to, as opposed to that. So um. That was before we signed ah, thank goodness we did.
1: Oh, it would have been very plain.
2: So I think pretty well everything we wanted to put in, we did. I think it's really um, brilliant when you get a book and found some interest in it. Do you think perhaps you were sort of encouraging people to make marks in addition to the text? Or have you found um, marks? Well, I haven't... I haven't found marks in other books because I, people people hang on to their own copies of that. I have I have signed many copies of the book that were that were they um, beaten and you know dropped in the bath and all that sort of thing, which I like to see shows they've been thoroughly worked over. Um, but uh, yeah, maybe there are some w- 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 copies with, with people's marginal notes or queries or. But
1: would we be able to find your marginal? To My marginal notes.
2: I tend not Genesis. to do that. I tend not to do that. If I make a note, it's in a notebook. You I don't, don't
1: I don't, don't,
2: don't, I don't, I don't, don't write on I'm books. I'm
1: sure no. everybody from the Bodleian here is breathing a sigh of relief. <laughs> on one level, at least. Uh, not that they wouldn't
2: like
1: your manuscript notes, but but in general. Yeah, but you, you can't notebooks. give someone a license
2: <laughs> to write notes on just because you like something else they've written. It's um. I don't know. Some people do it and some don't. I, I, I've never have made notes on books. Um, it's a
1: nice idea, though. Because it makes them more dusty, right, in,
2: in your term? Dusty like with a capital D, yes, a that's right. A right. A a dust
0: yeah. 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 Are you ever are aware that the imagery created by the film is going to contain this world of imagery that you create in these books? As a result, will that impact your decision to go forward for the future Hollywood
2: <laughs> Well, there are two questions implicit in that, uh, or maybe more, but and uh, no, I'm not worried about imagery from the uh, films invading, uh, invading people's consciousness, because uh, that, that, that doesn't happen, or rather, that doesn't last. Um, if the first film had been a huge success in the United States, I mean, financial success in the States, there would be more films. Um, and the whole thing would be more, the question would be more salient, but it wasn't a success in the States, uh, though it was in the rest of the world, so there probably won't be two more films anyway, so that's the second part. It's not my decision whether there's another film. It's the um, uh, it's, it's Warner Brothers' um, accountants. But the question of um, books and films invading each other's space, well, it's one we've had to live with for almost 100 years now, isn't it? And We've learned various things from it. One thing we've learned from it is the expectation of disappointment. If we go to see a film made from a book we've enjoyed, we expect to be disappointed, on the whole. She doesn't look like that, and he'd never have said that, and they've left out my favorite bit, and they've changed the ending. It's not the same. Um, we, that's what we commonly expect of it. The other thing we've, we've grown used to is the difficulty of getting... Um, this actor's face out of your mind, if, if they're the first person you see playing the role. If your first experience of Mr. Darcy is Colin, what's his name, Ferg. Um, well, that
1: can be bad, right? What? <laughs> that one can be bad. <laughs> uh,
2: I think you were inoculated against that with your before we saw that target. <laughs> okay. um, Yes, the difficulty of, of, of getting a, a particular actor's face out of him, well, yeah, that, that does happen. But on the other hand, um, that's tough. We have to live with it. We live in a world where movies exist. Uh, and they have influenced um, the writing of the novel in all sorts of ways. Um, Graham Greene is just one example of a writer who would have constructed his novels very differently if the films had never existed. But we all, we, we, we or everyone who writes now, writes in the knowledge of, of, of how films work, of how cuts are made of what you do with a close up all that sort of stuff um, and it 's inescapable so w- the, that's w- what we live with and we have to live with it everything in the making of a film has to be has to be spoken about and talked about at, 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 at endless meetings of course, but also um, discussions of real weight and importance about how the story is going to go and where the where the, the climax should be and all that sort of stuff and film the film world has developed a wide vocabulary for for this sort of talk which publishers and book book publishers and, and, and writers don't actually have if you want to hear talk about story especially and if you want to read talk about story and how it really works don't go to um, literary criticism go to film talk f- um, film criticism or even better um, books like the one I'm reading at the moment, Michael Ondaatje talking to the great film editor Walter Murch, about how to end a scene. What point do you end the scene on, and why there, and what effect does that have, and how will that be viewed by the, by the, and how will that lead into the next scene? That sort of thing. It's absolutely fascinating if you're interested in story, but that's the place to go to for it. Where stories have to be talked about, and where it all has to be explicit. It has to be, has to be, has to be out there in the open. That's where you'll find that sort of You'll find that sort of talk, and thanks to um, that question just now, this is what we were doing with this book. Why do we need this here? Because, and if we have that bit, it'll help that, and so on. So that's that's one of the effects and one of the um, results of it.
1: This is a really good place to, to, to wrap it up. Yeah, you. thank you. Um, I mean, I, I think we owe you all a debt of gratitude. We owe you a debt of gratitude for coming and giving you time today, Philip, and the rest of the team, but also a, a debt of gratitude for the amount of time and work that. You into putting this text together and, and sharing that kind of behind the scenes knowledge a little bit with us today. I just love the idea that you were kind of digging around in the John Johnson collection in the Bodleian um, at such an kind of point in, in this process and looking at ephemera in you know, order to sort of reshape this material um, into Lyre's Oxford. And it's lovely to have you here as part of our diverse kind of manuscript masterclass. Um, and to, see, to have a, a practitioner give us this kind of insight into how it's done is of remarkable um, significance to us. So thank you very much indeed, Philip, for being so generous with your time and, and with your, your secrets.
2: Well, thank you very much, and I'd like to thank my friends, John Lawrence, Heidi Lightfoot, and David Fickling also for coming along and helping us to uh, explore this text. Thank you all thank very you. much. Thank you.